Pennsylvania's Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, or DCNR, launched the Conservation Landscape Program in 2004 to leverage resources and regional partnerships that promote conservation and support community development. Currently, there are eight conservation landscapes in Pennsylvania, three of which impact the capital RC&D region, the Kittatinny Ridge, Susquehanna Riverlands, and South Mountain Landscapes. Katie Hess, director of the South Mountain Partnership, is with me today to talk about those initiatives and specifically the partnership's work in the region. Katie, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. I am so pleased to be here. Well, and before we uh, dig in here, um, I'd like to share with our listeners that uh, the collaborative work that Capital RCD and the South Mountain Partnership have done in the past is what uh, has enabled us to be able to launch this podcast. So I, I want to acknowledge that and to formally say thank you for oh. for your support. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we're excited to be able to do this, and it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks. I'm always thrilled when we can help. Uh, for those who don't know, Capital RCD joined our call in 2016 for partners to join us in an application to the Chesapeake Bay Trust's capacity building initiative. And our region was one of seven that was chosen from over 25 applicants. And because of this, Capital RCD became one of our most involved partners. And you guys helped us to launch clean water work throughout the region. And I think together, I, I sat down and jotted a few notes down. Together, we have facilitated four water workshops over the past 18 months, serving our county watershed implementation plan teams, our county governments, our conservation districts, municipalities, watershed associations, and all of the region's clean water advocates. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes when you work on projects, and if you don't take a proper look back at what has been done over you know, the long-term work, mm -hmm. you, you miss that. You see the individual things, but getting to see it as a whole is really neat. Yeah, yeah. And the conservation community doesn't do enough celebration or acknowledgement or getting the word out about all of the successes. We're, we're really hard workers, and we always just kind of pivot to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to take a moment and really reflect on, you know, wow, we did do a lot. So, um, Kitty, can you shed some light on the conservation landscape initiatives? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited that we're having the conversation right now because just last year, Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources had an evaluation report done for the conservation landscape program. And you know, lessons learned, what's working, what could be improved. And, you know, it's going to contribute to the long-term sustainability of not only the program, but of those special regions throughout the state that they're initiated in. And to me, um, one of the most beautiful things about the program is that it gives each of those regions the flexibility to respond to, you know, the culture and the values of the people there. And, but like personally, for me, it gives me the flexibility to be a solution builder. <laughs> and I really appreciate that with my background being in environmental science and policy, 
and landscape architecture where you know you're trying to be a holistic thinker and bring in lots of different sort of backgrounds and levels of expertise to all contribute to a solution and it allows me also to practice this emerging specialization within the conservation world of quote unquote landscape conservation and it's an approach to conservation and stewardship of natural resources based on what is good for the land air water and soil and what is good with the people um, and balancing the social values of their interaction with the land so it's not only about what is going to be the best and highest ecological function but it's going to be how can we weave um, sustainability and nature into our everyday lives and plan for ways to make those those interactions more sustainable um, in Pennsylvania you know I feel like we really need to accelerate the pace and the scale of conservation efforts and that's another really great thing about the conservation landscape program is that it's at a scale of efficiency um, it can some of these projects that need to happen and some of the the sustainability issues we have to solve can only be solved at the landscape scale and for anyone wondering uh, landscapes can be you know a large site like a farm scale mm -hmm. or they could be huge like the PA wilds um, our landscape is about oh gosh how many acres <laughs> well so Michaux State Forest is about a third of our landscape and the forest is about 86,000 acres and we have about 160 municipalities in the region so it's it's rather large but there are there are larger ones as well so the scale can be very different but it's it's about that landscape scale approach and I wanted to you know in my in my attempt to kind of explain more about the conservation landscape program on behalf of DCNR, there are three things that I thought it might be good to kind of, you know, for listeners to walk away knowing. Sure. And one, um, Pennsylvania's conservation landscape program is a national model. We are one of the first states in the country to try this. And the program continues to be a national example of success. At the landscape scale so that's a huge feather in our caps right absolutely and it's something to keep investing in like i already mentioned it's efficient because it operates at the right scale our our regional focus and partnership building approach is is critical as we're trying to you know solve issues around infrastructure and food systems and climate change um, those are big wicked problems and you know clean water has to be thought of at a watershed scale right. so it's all efficiency and lastly it's about people it's people-based um, each conservation landscape like I said earlier has the flexibility to do or to meet people based on their needs and their values well and you know moving in that direction um, and thinking about you know the landscape as a whole so the the South Mountain Partnership 
Does it operate in a similar way to the other landscape initiatives? It does and it doesn't um, for a variety of reasons. Some of that is, is by design, and that's the beauty of Pennsylvania DCNR's conservation landscape program. Each conservation landscape has the flexibility to really assess what the needs of the region uh, are and to really reflect on what is the best way to engage people there. So each one got its start like in the early 2000s and they really took on a life of their own related to like the people who live there, their values, their culture, and what partners were already on the ground. But it's not only about the land, it's, it's about the people too. You know, we want wildlife habitat and ecology to function well, knowing that we literally need our landscapes to survive and thrive. But we approach our work from the perspective of how people use the resource in a variety of ways and for a variety of things like outdoor recreation, drinking water, farming, tourism, you know, hopefully sustainable economic development, <laughs> things like that. So looking more closely at just South Mountain's landscape, what makes it stand out as a separate landscape? <laughs> this is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> so you all are in luck. Um, we are one of the only landscapes in Pennsylvania that doesn't have a like one characteristic to it. Like I often use the example of the PA wilds. You know when you're in the PA wilds. You know when you enter it. You know when you leave it. But the South Mountain landscape is much different because it's not about one particular look for us. It's about a convergence of resources and like topographies and soil types and weather patterns all happening and <laughs> converging here. And it's because we're the northern terminus of the Blue Ridge Mountains, colliding with the Ridge and Valley system, colliding with the Piedmont region. And that means that we just have this amazing concentration of diversity in this region. We have all types of soil types and and you know geologic formations and microclimates we have the south mountain fruit belt on the east side of the mountain and we have a lot of crop and dairy farms on the west side and in the cumberland valley and then we have you know obviously forestry on the mountains and scattered throughout and um it's just really beautiful you know you get a variety of experiences in this sort of small area that we all know and love so that's something that definitely sets us apart but we also um, I like to talk a lot about our process and how we think about our work uh, we have a very holistic point of view and approach to our work and um, we use the term nexus projects to sort of lead us in our decision-making about what projects to get involved in. And nexus projects are when multiple landscape values overlap or there are a lot of different types of partners coming together around a project. So things like ag 
agriculture, historic preservation, natural resources, recreation, um, local food, tourism, health and wellness. Like we like to see partnership building. That's part of the reason we chose our name. We feel very strongly that we want to build community. We want to build um, collaboration into everything. And that will just make our region stronger. So we really have internalized that and it's reflected in our decision-making system, which I'm very proud of. And to go along with that, our process might be a bit different than other conservation landscapes in that we have tried to set up ourselves since the beginning as being very grassroots. And that's reflected in our current organizational structure through having you know, 25 um, volunteer individuals from throughout the region serving on our working subcommittees. And so they're really the ones um, who are helping turn the gears and helping us to decide, like, what are we focusing on? How are we doing what we've chosen to do? What are we going to choose next? And you know, they're planners, they are um, nonprofit executives, but they're all coming to the table with a different set of skills, expertise, and perspectives. And that's what builds true sustainability, I think. And that's why I think we'll continue to, to emphasize process and, you know, letting people who live in the landscape drive the initiative. So my, my job, even though I am a native of Franklin and Adams counties, my job is to, you know, facilitate that process. So it's, it's an honor to do that, and I really love it. You know, recently, we're sitting here in July 2020, um, in my office with masks, <laughs> which it, it's... Um, you know, I'm so grateful for the technology to be able to do it, uh, to do interviews um, via the internet. Uh, but but to be able to sit here together and and talk even with our masks on, um, it's a treat. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, the South Mountain Partnership was uh, one of the first organizations to really. Uh, or at least that 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 I experienced, um, where you were able to make a quick shift in taking something that you know you'd already done these uh, semi-annual partnership meetings, and change the format so that people could still participate and still hear about those things. So when I look at it, I know it's something that um, you know is valuable, but is structured in a way that it can move quickly on opportunities mm -hmm. um, and that just being a, you know, a recent example that's coming to mind. Yeah. So, but, but aside from making quick shifts to change how things are done because of, uh, you know, physical distance requirements, um, what other projects do you guys have going? Yes. Um, well, we always have our, our traditional programs like our, our three regional meetings. We have a spring and a fall meeting, and and our Power of the Partnership uh, celebration is our annual celebration that just is 
is amazing. It's our warm, fuzzy, you know, it's, it's less of our educational forum and more about seeing the other people who are contributing to, you know, conservation and wellness and sustainability in the region like you are. And so it's just a really great, um, kind of relationship building event. And the South Mountain Mini Grant Program is um, sort of a re-gifting of the grant money that we acquire from Pennsylvania DCNR. And we have specific objectives for that money. And it's, it's meant to you know, deliver to the folks on the ground doing conservation and preservation work or promotion work. And um, that's from the Environmental Stewardship Fund, which is often targeted for redistribution back into the general fund, which is unfortunate because we are, this region is in a sort of funding desert. Otherwise, we don't have a lot of funding that comes into this region. And so, you know, having that Environmental Stewardship Fund available to us for our operating costs, but also for the redistribution back to locals is imperative. Um, we have our speaker series programs. That is an annual series that is meant to engage the public on more sort of modern elements of of conservation. But we also include a lot of history, like legacy. What is the legacy of this region? The Bureau of Forestry was born here. Forestry was born <laughs> in Pennsylvania. We had, I believe, the second forestry school open at Mont Alto, what is now the Penn State Mont Alto campus. And so we, we want to remind folks that those are our roots. Those are really great roots, and, and they're, they emphasize making data-informed decisions and changing our minds when confronted with the need to do so. So, you know, forestry came about in our region when um, our mountains were clear-cut and we were experiencing wildfires and floods, and we realized we needed to do something differently. And so, again, we're always reminding folks that's where we come from, but then we want to engage on on modern topics like climate change and um, maybe suburban sprawl and development issues and pressure and um, air quality and you know all of the things that sort of are at the front of our minds now farmland preservation is another really good example in addition to that we have been working on facilitating a feasibility study for a rail trail that would once again connect downtown Dillsburg to downtown uh, Mechanicsburg and um, we are in phase two of that well applying for phase two study funding so fingers crossed uh, we get that because you know those downtowns used to be connected and you could hop on a trolley and go from town to town for the day you know to spend money frequent other businesses and it's been proven that rail trails are that sort of modern equivalent of the trolley and these could really contribute to the revitalization and further development of those like downtown, like the reactivation of Dillsburg and Mechanicsburg's downtowns. Um, we've also been piloting 
a research core and science summit program where we are bringing together the region's um, academic institutions, researchers, and students together with landowners and land managers and really facilitating that interaction and trying to you know, ultimately serve the landowner and answer their questions about how you know, their goals for their land, but also to give researchers and students that experiential um, kind of academic experience that they're not going to get anywhere else in the world. So um, we are just finishing up our year one summary of the pilot with the Center for Land Use and Sustainability. Um, we learned a lot in year one. <laughs> facilitating between those two user groups you know picture it you have university researchers and professors and students and you have landowners on the other side and it took an an enormous amount of of time just to kind of pair them and get them all on the same page and it can be really beautiful We'll just have to see, you know, <laughs> what happens in the future because it's a lot of capacity that we don't yet have. Mm -hmm. And so we have to figure out, okay, if this is something that the region really needs and wants, how are we going to make that financially feasible? We are the pilot conservation landscape for climate change. <laughs> so DCNR has identified the South Mountain region as the pilot for for how we engage you know climate change at scale okay. um, and how do we do that with our partners and at the forest level or in the how do we do that with our partners in the bureau of forestry our partners at the parks you know the 40 or more partners that we have engaged in the partnership um, but what's really exciting about that is that it coincides with us being asked by Shippensburg University to sign on to their campus climate commitment. And what that means is that we can bring all of our partners, our network of partners and, and their needs and experiences to the table with Shippensburg University to have that discussion about climate change in the region. You know, what do we think about it? Um, what are we going to do about it? Let's create a plan or let's tackle, you know, one segment of it uh, and take action on it and then revisit. So the climate change pilot is, is it focused on uh, mitigation or what is the primary goal? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And this is another the, the approach to that is another reason why we signed on because it's about process. We don't have an end game already in mind. And we signed on with Shippensburg University because they're working with an organization or an initiative called Second Nature. And they don't have an end game necessarily either in that they recognize that each community's ability and and needs around climate change will be different. They're gonna to wanna to talk about it differently. They're gonna to wanna to approach it and address it differently. So, you know, in this region, we'll, we'll probably talk about it. I'm, I'm guessing we might talk about it in terms of, you know, 
its effect on infrastructure and um, you know any effect it might have on our tourism industry or, or our quality of life but um, the the process is prescribed but the end game is not so it's all about facilitating the discussion with that community partner bringing the partners to the table to say what are your biggest challenges around this how can we collectively move forward together and then you know maybe one of the the contributions that the partnership can make is by having that regional footprint and all of the network behind us we can bring in the resources necessary to to really implement some of those steps so that's how i see that potentially working out yeah that's that's neat i didn't i wasn't aware of that yeah so I understand you're, you're, you're getting ready to launch the Friends of South Mountain Partnership Group, um, but I, I don't really understand what, what that entails. Can you talk more about that? Absolutely. So, yes, the mission of the Friends of South Mountain Partnership is to provide resources to support the work uh, that we're already doing. And, you know, some people may question that, but... Honestly, it's it's a really important time to do this because it ensures our it's strategic. It ensures our longevity and our resilience. And it's mostly necessary from a financial perspective right now because the source of consistent funding that we have had since the beginning has been through Pennsylvania DCNR and the Environmental Stewardship Fund which is one of Pennsylvania's special funds. That fund is consistently threatened for redistribution back into the general um, budget to, to plug gaps and, and holes. And so we're constantly threatened, you know, by um, the fact that this money may not be available and we have to compete for it every year anyhow. So... This is us um, exploring other ways to, you know, be proactive and to make sure that we can be in it for the long haul. Through the partnership with the Foundation for Enhancing Communities, TFEC, um, the Friends of the South Mountain Partnership will, for the first time, be able to accept federally tax-deductible donations. For the first time, we'll be able to formalize a corporate sponsorship program, which is very exciting. Our organizational development committee is working on that now. And we're also gaining administrative support for our, our those trademark annual uh, regional meetings and events and, and possibly workshops or speaker series or additional events. So... You know, for, from the outside, it might seem like a small step, but on the inside, it's it's very meaningful for us, and it's something that many of our, our committee members have been working really hard on. And depending on how we build out the program over time and the friends group over time, it's also a way to engage people and get them more engaged in the landscape and the conservation, um, drive more volunteers and more... Um, expertise into our local nonprofits and conservation organizations. So we just see this as the beginning um, 
and then building it out based on what we learn along the way. Now you, you mentioned the Environmental Stewardship Fund, um, but aside from that, are, are there any hurdles that you face in uh, functioning at the landscape scale or mm. even just as a partnership in general? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd say that, you know, the one that I encounter the most and almost every day is just capacity. I'm the one staff member, and that means that I'm the network's leader, I'm the facilitator, the program manager, and the funding manager. And so there are a lot of actions that I'd like to take on top of those things, but I currently can't just because there's not enough hours in the day. And I know we all know that feeling, <laughs> unfortunately, but it is especially true in this work when I'm working at a regional scale, you know, Adams, Cumberland, Franklin, and York counties. And um, so, yeah, capacity is a, a big issue. And then I'd say that another hurdle is, you know, name recognition. The conservation community doesn't have a lot of communication expertise. And whenever I have the chance to talk to, especially students who are working in communications, I often remind them, like, you are needed. There is a place for you in the conservation community. We need your minds and your mindsets. Even, just, even beyond recognition of the South Mountain Partnership, just really understanding what conservation landscape work is. It's it's a difficult concept to convey right. and it takes multiple kind of like touch points for people to really understand and for us you know when people ask us well what is the south mountain partnership we're still perfecting our elevator speech but really you really don't get a taste of it until you attend one of the regional meetings I think, because it's only there that you realize, oh, this is about relationship building that then is transferred into actual conservation and promotion collaboration, and it's community building. Mm -hmm. Those things aren't seen as being connected in our society, but it's how the world works, right? Right. So... Um, we're still perfecting that elevator speech for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an ongoing thing. That'll once you have it perfected, you'll be tweaking it forever. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Definitely unfair to ask you to pick and choose between all the different partners and programs, even. Um, and you're trying to decide what to highlight. I, I think is 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 difficult. Um, so I want to kind of shift a little bit and. Uh, and ask you if there's any conservation-related projects or programs outside of the South Mountain landscape that you, know, you find exciting or that have caught your eye. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to look outside of this region, to look outside of the state, um, and outside of our silos. Like I often look at what the business community is doing because they're agile, they're flexible, they're fast-moving, and Honestly, we need to be more like that in, in a lot of ways. Pennsylvania Wilds is sort of like the best of both worlds. They have been able to, to create um, an economy up there in the Pennsylvania Wilds that is based on the landscape characteristic and 
the people and their their attachment to land and what they make with their hands, which reflects who they are as, you know, a culture and where they live. And it has grown from that concept into um, several shops where people who visit, you know, state parks or other downtowns in the region can access these shops that carry all of these products made by different people from around the region. And then they've gone another step through partnerships with like USDA and they've been bringing in um, a lot of money from lots of different resources for developing a a gathering space for entrepreneurs and makers in the PA wilds so that they can access a photography booth to take photos of their um, their products and there's workstations so that they can fill out the descriptions of their products and get them online get them featured and so that is a fantastic way of bringing to listening to people and what they need and meeting them where they already are you know they they were saying we have these skills but we don't maybe we don't have a market for it or we don't have access to the things we need to be successful and as a conservation landscape they're also a heritage area but they were able to say okay well we have some ideas for how to approach that and then they kept going and going and going and it's spurring revitalization, especially in Kane, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you've been there, Mm-mm. but that's I think that's where their gathering spaces, where they will have those tools for um, those entrepreneurs and makers. And that's actually in an old building, which in and of itself is a historic preservation and adaptive reuse project. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so they're exhibiting all of these like they're rooted in who they are and their legacy, but at the same time, they're very forward thinking and they're not knocking down um, old buildings to build something new. They're adapting an old building which reflects where they came from with new things for, you know, to equip them for where they want to go. Yeah. And that's the most beautiful thing about this work, I think. It's really neat. So... How long have you been with the South Mountain Partnership? It will be five years in August. Wow. And you, and you had mentioned that you come from an environmental studies and landscape architecture background. Um, now, w- within that, were you working in conservation before coming to the partnership, or were you working in another? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I call it conservation. Uh, I was working in historic preservation, which I do consider a form of conservation. But um, I was working actually as a GIS mapper and and data enterer, if you will, for the State Historic Preservation Office in Harrisburg. And I was hired there because of that background. I was able to bring a, that landscape scale approach to historic preservation which has traditionally been very focused on individual buildings or individual properties and so one of you know in addition to my everyday tasks it was also my responsibility to sort of help the office think about historic landscapes cultural landscapes 
and preservation um, at a maybe a neighborhood or community scale or even a regional scale in in a slightly different way and that was really rewarding and I didn't even know that the field of historic preservation existed (laughs) until I went to graduate school community coordinator for the central region of Pennsylvania and through him he invited me to serve on a a committee for South Mountain Partnership. I got to know my predecessor, John, and um, when he left, he had encouraged me to apply for this position, and I thought, oh, wow, I guess I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so um, it's been a great evolution, and, um, you know, it's been at times a difficult transition, and, you know, I'm not saying this, I'm not sharing this to be um, down on myself or anyone around, but just to be transparent because I think there's not enough transparency in the world. You know, we're not taught facilitation skills mm-hmm. in the science fields. Uh, we're not taught a lot about communication, how to run organizations. We're certainly not taught about network dynamics and working with a network of partners in a very flexible, evolving sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that was probably like my biggest epiphany is, is when to be a facilitator of these partners and when to leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, was there a moment or a specific thing that sparked your interest in conservation related work? Yes, I can remember two things particularly. One is that we did not have much money <laughs> growing up and, our vacations were to state parks and forests for camping. And we went for long drives and with a hike in a state forest or a state park. And so I was really engaged early on with the beauty and, and the natural resources of our state park and forest system. So that was a foundation. Um, but... I did not commit fully to conservation as a profession until, and I was just telling this story to someone um, like two weeks ago, (laughs) and um, it shocked me because it it came out so naturally, and I was like, that's my story, so I'll tell it. Um, It happened in, in college. I was learning about water quality and I was learning about how land use affects water quality. And I was going to school at Hood College in Frederick, Maryland, which at that time was experiencing explosive uh, development. At that time, we were living in Biglerville, just north of Gettysburg. I would drive up Route 15, and I'd make my way um, across into Biglerville, and I had noticed that developments were starting to happen more frequently, and it was concerning for me. I I didn't really think about it critically until the day there was um, a development had started in one of my favorite apple orchards, Mm -hmm. and it was such a definitive moment because it made me feel so angry and helpless because I didn't understand, you know, 
the land review process oh. and the planning process yet. Um, and I felt angry that we would let go of, you know, productive land and that we would use it in, um, in this way that I saw it being used. And it, that helplessness was very motivating to me to learn as much as I could. But I think that that feeling led me into this specific role in landscape conservation because it's all about community building, collective impact, and process that allows the voices of everyday people to really try to rise to the top and to drive land use decision making. And so I know if I was feeling that sort of confusion or helplessness, you know, it, that really wasn't the case, but I just needed to be better informed. Yeah. And so if I can help create processes that help other people to become informed and help them elevate their voices and become leaders in their own right, like I want so many more leaders um, out in the landscape taking on their own projects and moving their own things forward so i think um yeah that that moment when i saw my favorite apple orchard um developed was was a turning point yeah yeah those those are hard moments uh, <laughs> and then you know and having to then shift and grasp that there were so many people involved in those decisions. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, you know, one person saying, oh, well, I'm going to do this. It was, it was, you know, a lot of discussion and planning, even if it wasn't what ultimately exactly we would have liked to see. Um, right. Which is just how the world works. We're not going to get our way all the time. And that's why balance is so necessary and, and really understanding that just because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to this this time or even half the time or 75 percent of the time doesn't mean that you should stop trying to make the system better or create solutions well learning how yeah learning how it all works is is important because it reduces the feeling of frustration and the feeling of fear that a lot of us can identify with, yeah. you know, in a multitude of ways. And where to, you know, where to put your energy if it's in preservation and conservation, where to apply your energy rather than I want to protect this one stone. <laughs> yeah. No, I can protect this whole area or I can protect this one thing and, and how collectively, you know, that, that work can, can be done. Well, yeah. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, a lot of times we we default to this antagonistic sort of uh, knee-jerk reaction, whereas, you know, if, if I, I often think if I had just been involved earlier, I wouldn't feel this way right. or I would have been able to contribute um, toward that project. And so, you know, again, all about being a solution builder, you know, we all have... We can all step up our game around that. I always feel like I might be missing something important. So Katie, if you were me, I'm sitting in my chair, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you ask the director of the South Mountain Partnership? How can I help? <laughs> Perfect question. <laughs> or, or if I want to learn more, or if I think I might want to help, how do I reach out? And the answer to that is our webpage, number one. Please become familiar with, you know, our programs and, and what it is that we do. If, if you want to get involved, I, there is a get involved tab on our website and the website is southmountainpartnership.org. So get on our website and select the get involved tab and it will show you all of the various ways that you can engage with the partnership at this time. If you want to be a partner, you can sign a very informal kind of support letter and we'll put your name on our website as a supporter. All that is is like a general pledge to to share informa- the information of the partnership out to your contacts and to share your news and information about what you have going on with the partnership so that we can share it with everyone as well. There are ways to write um, an essay about why you love this land. There are ways to volunteer on one of our our committees. Um, We especially right now need people with communications skills around websites, newsletter, writing, press releases, you know, all of that stuff to report on all of the amazing things that are happening. Uh, if you want to go a step, yeah, if you want to go a step further and serve on a committee, um, just get in touch with me. We'll have a conversation. We'll talk about your background, why you're interested, and, um, you know, where what might be a good fit for you. And even if all of that doesn't work out, we can still connect you with a number of organizations already on the ground doing really wonderful things and we can send you their contact information and get you in touch with them and let's not forget participating in the friends of south mountain partnership yes (laughs) thank you yes and yeah Uh, find out how we're talking about how you'll make a difference through the friends group and um, check out the packages that we put together we're still perfecting those and um yeah there's a lot more to come and we're just so excited to be partnered with tfec and it's it's been a pleasure to work with them we'll post your website on the episode notes so that people can find you easily and then as uh, and then as the friends of group goes live we'll make sure to update that content so everybody can find you you also have a facebook page um absolutely and so if you want to see the most up-to-date information easily, that'd be a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I also don't want to forget to ask if there's any upcoming events uh, going on. Stay tuned for our, our announcement about the fall partnership meeting. And oh, also, we have an e-newsletter. You can sign up for that by going to our website, through the URL uh, that Cheryl's going to share and you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and you'll see newsletter sign up and you just put your email in there, hit enter and you will be signed up and that's how you'll receive all of our information and all of our invitations to any of our events.
Kate, I, I really enjoyed our conversation this afternoon, not only because we were able to do it in person, but it's just fascinating, you know, even being a partner, that there were some things today that I just wasn't aware of. So, um, and I, those are great conversations. So I wanna thank you for joining me today, uh, for taking the time out of your schedule and for sharing so much about the South Mountain Partnership. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure and I'm just thrilled that we have the opportunity to reach out to more people. Thanks. Great. <laughs>